0: following is a sermon by Will Stern, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Media, Pennsylvania. For more information, visit our website explorehopechurch.org. Now, enjoy this week's message. Last week, we we looked at verses 1 through verses 14, and we saw how uh, God led David to deliver a city called Kayla that was being attacked by the Philistines. And we saw how at each point David was inquiring of the Lord before he would make any kind of decision, when he faced any problem in his life, rather than just trusting in his own mind, which is foolishness, that he was turning to the Lord. And we talked last week about What a wonderful model that is for us in turning to the Lord whenever we face trouble, whenever we face problems, seeking Him. But today, we pick up as David had to flee the city of Calah because Saul got word that he was in this walled town, and he was happy because now he could lay siege, finally capture David, this evil king of Israel, pursuing David, the Lord's anointed. And as David inquired of the Lord, he said, Will the people of Calah give me into the hands of Saul if I stay here? And the Lord revealed to him that they would betray him if they were given the opportunity. And so he withdrew back into the wilderness with his men. So that's where we pick up verse 15, 1 Samuel chapter 23. David saw that Saul had come to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horesh, and Jonathan went home. Then the Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding among us? And the strongholds at Horesh, on the hill of Hakaliah, which is south of Jeshermon, come down, O king, according to all your heart's desire to come down, and our part shall be to surrender him into the king's hand. And Saul said, may you be blessed by the Lord, for you have had compassion on me, Go, make yet more sure, know and see the place where his foot is and who has seen him there, for it is told me that he is very cunning. See, therefore, and take note of all the lurking places where he hides and come back to me with sure information. Then I will go with you. And if he is at the land, I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. And they rose and went to Ziph ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the Arabah, to the south of Jeshimon. And Saul and his men went to seek him. And David was told, so he went down to the rock and lived in the wilderness of Ma'an. And when Saul heard that when when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of Ma'an. Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. And David was hurrying to get away from Saul. And Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture them. A messenger came to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have made a raid against the land. So Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore, that place was called the Rock of Escape. And David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of Engedi. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that is powerful, that is clear, but our minds can be foggy and confused. And so we pray that your clear, powerful word would cut through our confusion and give light in the darkness of our hearts, that we can love you more and those around us, though we often face discouragement that we could be strengthened by your power. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, perhaps you have a, a friend or a family member who always has a way of knowing when you're feeling discouraged. And I have a, a friend like this, uh, Jim Brown, who is on the provisional session of Hope Church. Uh, he's an older pastor, served for many, many decades at Faith Presbyterian Church in Wilmington. And he's both a friend, a mentor, but I also kind of consider him my pastor. Uh, but I always am amazed how he has this uncanny ability to call right when I'm feeling discouraged. And how are you doing? Are you feeling discouraged? And I don't know exactly how he's able to know at any given moment. But yet he always seems to, to show up when I'm feeling discouraged. And it's always an encouragement to me. But in an even greater way, in an infinitely greater way... That God has a pattern of showing up when we feel discouraged. When everything seems dark, everything seems hopeless, that he shows up with encouragement and strength. And that's what we see here in this passage. We see God showing up for David when he feels discouraged. Look at the first example of this in our text, that God shows up when we feel discouraged. And you look at verse 15 through verse 18, and you could imagine that David felt discouraged. I already mentioned that he had to flee from Kayla, this town that he had bravely delivered from the Philistines with his men. And though he wasn't actually betrayed by the people of that town, he knew that they would have betrayed him. They would have handed him over to Saul if they had had the opportunity. And that must have been hurtful for David in light of his bravery and going out on a limb to defend this town. But then now David has to flee back into the wilderness. He's on the run again. He's in hiding again. It must have been... Discouraging. But we can also feel discouraged at times in our life. Maybe you're discouraged in a battle against illness, or you're discouraged in a hard situation at work, or in a difficult relationship within your life. That it feels like you're in the wilderness spiritually, that you're wondering, is God going to show up in the dark situation of my life? Well, as we look at our text today, look at how God showed up for David in verse 16. Look there again in your Bible. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. Now, quite a I feel like a newspaper where I'm issuing a correction from a few weeks ago where when I preached on chapter 20, I had said, this is the last time that Jonathan and David meet. And it was not the last time, uh, but when they parted ways, you remember this very emotional, dramatic parting of David and Jonathan back in chapter 20. Uh, And probably what I should have said was it felt like they would never meet again. Because against all possibility, all probability, Jonathan is able to travel into the wilderness. He is able to find David in the wilderness. And then look at how his mission is described, that he came to strengthen David's hand in God. And then we get a a window into how he strengthened David's hand in God in verse 17. Look at verse 17 in your Bible. And Jonathan said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul my father also knows this. And then they renew their covenant together. So you see this, these words of, of comfort and encouragement for David when he's feeling discouraged. And it reminds me of Isaiah chapter 35, verse 3, where the prophet says, Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. So it's that same message of, of hope and comfort that David experienced from Jonathan again at great personal risk to Jonathan who risked his own safety to travel into the wilderness against his father's wishes to encourage Jonathan to encourage David. But of course he's an example for us today as well. Because it's one thing to encourage someone generally that you can encourage someone with worldly wisdom or pop psychology or empty platitudes. I even heard about an app that will say nice things about you throughout the day and and so you can, if you're, if you're feeling down that you're, the app on your phone will compliment you throughout the day and, and it makes you feel encouraged, which I don't know if that would encourage me, but that's an example of just general encouragement. But it says here that, that Jonathan came to strengthen David's hand in God, that it was a deeper kind of encouragement than platitudes or an app that doesn't know you saying nice things about you. And it's really what we read about in Hebrews chapter 10 in the New Testament, where it says, "'Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near.'" And so the author to the Hebrews in the, the New Testament context, he's, he's calling believers to stir one another up to love and good works, to encourage one another. And the way that he tells us to do that is by not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. That we are to gather together for mutual strength and mutual encouragement, and this is one of the reasons that Christian community, why the church, is so important. Because how will you encourage someone else who is feeling discouraged if you're not with them in relationship and community with them? Or how will others show up with encouragement to you, this, this deeper strengthening of your hands in God if you are not in regular connection and fellowship with other believers. And that's one of the reasons that just watching online, as good as that technology is, is not enough, that that we need that connection with believers. Because quite often, the way in which God shows up for us when we feel discouraged is through the the comfort and encouragement of other brothers and sisters around us who love the Lord and can speak God's word and God's promises to us to build us up in strength and encouragement. Again, you need that from others, but others need you as well. Again, God has a pattern of showing up when we feel discouraged. And that's the the first example we see here in our text. But then we see another example of this. And this is in verse 19 through verse 24. Verse 19 through verse 24. And in these verses, you see actual betrayal. Because I I mentioned that the citizens of Calah, as we saw last week, would have theoretically handed David over to Saul if they'd had the opportunity. But here, the Ziphites, as they were called, the, the people of Ziph—you could write that on your college application from Ziph—the um, the Ziphites proactively went to David, or went to Saul concerning David, and offered to hand him over. And so this is very similar to a a Judas who is handing over the, the Lord's anointed. And it must have been especially discouraging for David. One, he had just experienced betrayal. But then these were people that were of his own tribe, the tribe of Judah. These should have been brothers in the Lord who would support him against Saul and I'm sure that they had heard reports of his bravery in delivering the city of Kayla. And so here they are turning against David in betrayal. And maybe you have experienced betrayal as well. Maybe a, a parent or a spouse or a co-worker, someone you thought was on your side who had your back, but then you, it turns out that they are actually... Against you, and you feel the weight of that. And so we can see then how the Lord showed up for David even in the midst of this discouragement. So grab your Bible and turn with me to the book of Psalms and turn, to, turn with me to Psalm 54. Psalm 54. Remember, many of the Psalms are written by David, not all of them. But there are prefaces to many of the Psalms and that, that root it in the historical context of what was happening in the life of the author. And so for Psalm 54, if you look at the, the preface, it says, To the choir master with stringed instruments, a mascal of David, when the Ziphites went and told Saul, Is not David hiding among us. And so this psalm is written out of the the discouragement and the betrayal that he experienced from the Ziphites. Look at what he says in verse 1. O God, save me by your name. Vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth for strangers have risen against me ruthless men seek my life they do not set god before themselves and so you can sense david's desperation his his sense of discouragement and betrayal that that strangers have risen against me ruthless men but then look at how he turns and then reflects on how god showed up for him In the midst of his discouragement, look at verse 4. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. So you see him calling for the vindication of God, the justice of God. But then you can see how God showed up for David in the midst of his discouragement. That he says, God is my helper. That he was able, in the midst of discouragement and betrayal, to say, God is my helper. And that's something that you can say this morning. That if you are in Christ, that if you are experiencing discouragement or the weight of betrayal or hardship, or broken relationships, that you can say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is the one, he says, who is the upholder of my life. The, who is upholding your life? Who is giving you hope and peace and strength? Is it the, the people around you who, who let you down or who don't live up to your expectations? that they are not ultimately the upholders of your life. And that's why often we feel so weighed down by others, because we're looking for other people around us to be the upholders of our life. But he says that God alone, the Lord, is the upholder of my life. And that when we are feeling discouraged in life, that we can join David in saying, Lord, I know that you will show up for me, that you are the upholder of my life. And so that's the the second example of God showing up for David in this text. But now turn with me back to 1 Samuel 23. And let's look at the third and the final example of how God showed up for David because David must have felt discouraged yet again in verse 24 to the end of this chapter because after the the ziphites tell Saul his location uh, and you can you can sense that a similar pattern of king herod who when he met with the the wise men the magi from the east told them to go and investigate and to come back with a report to him so that he could crush the Lord's anointed. And so he wants an even more precise location because he knows that unless he has the exact GPS location for David, that David is cunning and that he will slip away. So he wants as much information as possible. And once again, you see him blasphemously invoking the name of Yahweh, the name of God in pursuit of his evil purposes. But then you see what happens, that that he begins to, to close in on David's position. And it says that he's at this, this rock, this, this mountain in the wilderness. And this would be a dr- dramatic, nail-biting moment if this were a movie, because David is on one side of this rocky mountain. Saul's much larger force is on the other side. They're moving around and up over the mountain. David is trying to get away, but he's beginning to look very dark, very hopeless, very discouraging. And then look at what happens in our text. Look at, with me at verse 25. And Saul and his men went to seek And David was to seek him. And David was told. So he went down to the rock and lived in the wilderness of Moan. And when Saul heard, he pursued after David in the wilderness of Moan. And Saul went on one side of the mountain. And David and his men on the other side of the mountain. And David was hurrying to get away from Saul. As Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture him. So the darkest moment. A messenger came to Saul saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have made a raid against the land. So Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines. Now, if we were in a naturalistic world where we don't believe in the intervention of God, you would say, Well, that was good luck. Well, that was fortuitous. That was was a close call. But as astute Bible readers, we recognize that God is the one who created the world, but he's also the one who upholds all things by his providence. That God's providence is his upholding, his sustaining of all things, his intervention in seemingly natural events, and that God shows up in the darkest moment of discouragement for David with this light of his providence, redirecting events, even using the the Philistines of all people to deliver David from the hand of the king of Israel. And of course, this is what we can look for as well, that, that when things seem dark, That God has a pattern throughout the scriptures of showing up in His amazing providence to give us light and hope and peace. But then you'll see in verse 28 that this rock, this mountain it's called, was renamed the Rock of Escape. And you can imagine David in the future when he was out traveling in that region would look and say, there's the—see that mountain over there? That's called the the rock of escape, where I was delivered by the amazing providence of God when everything seemed dark and hopeless, that God showed up for me. And that means that he will show up for you as well. But of course, as we think about the storyline of the Bible, there is another even more significant rock of escape. That as you turn to the New Testament, you can think of this mountain, this rocky hill outside of the city of Jerusalem that was called Golgotha or the place of skull. And Jesus himself was pursued by his enemies, taken to the top of that mountain. And as he was nailed to the cross, the the, the hordes of Evil came in around him to crush him. The ultimate moment of discouragement is the Son of God cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Discouragement for all of the disciples as they fled from him. As people were crying and weeping and mocking around the cross of our Savior. And, and people wondered, will God show up for Jesus in his darkest moment? That his forefather, David, was delivered by the providence of God at the exact right moment. Will God do it again? Some miraculous providence to preserve him from death. But then he, he died. He breathed his last. He was buried in the tomb. And for all of his disciples, it seemed like God does not show up in the moments of darkness and and in the moments of discouragement. But then Jesus was raised from the dead in power, that God did bring ultimate deliverance and strength to him. And then that place of skull, that mountain of Golgotha, then goes from this this place of dread and death to become then the, the rock of escape. That it's the place where we experience the escape from our sins and the judgment that our sins deserve. And then ultimately, it's not a mountain somewhere in the south of Judah that becomes the rock of escape, but that Jesus himself becomes our rock. You can think of the great hymn, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. That when we flee to Jesus, we find that ultimate deliverance in Him as our rock of escape. And so, if you're feeling discouraged this morning, and I'm sure many of you are feeling discouraged, and maybe you're wondering, will God show up? in the darkness of my discouragement? Is he going to bring the the deliverance that I see here in this text? You can remember that Jesus has already showed up for you, and that he he showed up for you 2,000 years ago as truly God and truly man to live the perfect life that you could never live, and to, to die a sacrificial death for you on the cross. And so we don't have to doubt if, if God is going to, to show up for us. And that then as we come to this meal, we're, we're reminded again of, of how he, he shows up and he prepares this table before us that he, he gives us himself. And so we come to this meal in the, the strength and the encouragement of what Jesus has done for us. And so this morning, if, if you're in Christ and you're feeling weighed down and discouraged, that you can come here to find encouragement, to remember that, that his body was broken, that his blood was shed for you, that, that he opened up the way of escape, the way of, of peace to find life, and that in the end no darkness in your life gets the last word because of the hope and the promise that we can have in Jesus. But if you're here and you haven't yet found Jesus as your rock of escape, then I would encourage you to to wait, to not take this. That perhaps you're feeling self-righteous. Maybe you think that you can make it on your own, that you don't need the work of Jesus, or, or maybe you haven't yet turned to him saying, Lord Jesus, you are my only hope, you are the only rock, and if that's where, where you are, we're glad that you're here, but we wouldn't want to lead you into the hypocrisy of taking this without believing what is symbolized and sealed here. But for the rest, you don't have to be a member of Hope Church or a member of a Presbyterian Church but one who is is trusting in Jesus, has made that public by being part of a church that proclaims the gospel, not barred by the action of another church from taking this, but one that can profess the faith that we hold using the Apostles' Creed. So look with me on page 9 in your order of worship, and let's profess our rock of escape, our faith in the Lord Jesus together. And is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Because on the night that our Lord was betrayed, he took bread... When he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes, um, so let's pray together, Father in heaven, we praise you that you are the rock of our salvation, rock of ages, cleft for me. may I find my help in the uh, lord we we pray that that you would be our confidence that that often Lord our our path can seem dark, our path can seem hopeless, though though dark our way, that we know that what you ordain is right. Uh, we pray that you can shine light into our discouragement, that you can give us peace when things seem dark, that we know that we can know you will show up for us because you have showed up ultimately for us in the perfect life and sacrificial death of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that you ultimately will show up for us when Jesus comes back to judge the living and the dead, to establish peace and prosperity and happiness forever and ever, the new heavens and the new earth. And Lord, we thank you that this meal is both a a picture of what Jesus has done in his life, death, and resurrection, but also what he will do and the marriage supper of the Lamb with the church as his bride to celebrate with him and the joy of the life to come. And so we pray for encouragement in that together. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Will at Hope Church in Media, Pennsylvania. Our service is at 10.30 a.m., and we'd love to see you there. Find directions and other resources at explorehopechurch.org.